Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us here on Agriculture of America Today, AOA, brought to you by our friends at Senex. Senex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Find your nearest Senex location right around the corner, or if you need to look it up online, you can do that very easily, Senex.com. On the way here on today's program, we're going to talk markets in just a second with Brian Split from agmarket.net. We'll have a conversation with Senator John Thune coming up at the bottom of the hour in segment three. Before that, we will get some fall nitrogen application tips and more with Angie Reekins, field agronomist with Iowa State University and ISU Extension. And we'll also have a look at a few news headlines later in the show as well. So a lot to get to here today on AOA. Let's jump into what's going on in the markets. Um, Soybean market up a little bit here towards the end of the week with quarter wheat just relatively quiet. We saw the Federal Reserve hold interest rates steady at 22-year highs after their November meeting wrapped up on Wednesday. A lot to uh, pick apart and talk about here. Joining us now for market analysis, Brian Split with agmarket.net. Brian, always good to have you on AOA. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Jesse. Thanks. Well, let's talk first about this grain market and uh, soybeans uh, getting a little bit of love on Thursday. And we've seen uh, this meal market really shoot higher. Seems like the meal market has been the uh, catalyst here in beans. But then on the flip side, corn's just doing nothing right now. It's kind of a tale of two different markets here in the grains, Brian. You're right, Jesse. We do have two different markets. Uh, corn has an ending stock uh, projection right now that would not be bull market territory. Uh, that's a uh, over 2 billion bushel type of a carryout. So we're seeing uh, the market, the flat price trade rather weak. We're kind of right back down to the low end of the trading range within uh, a nickel or so of the contract lows that were made in September uh, with the, the lows this week. Uh, you've got spreads are, are putting a lot of carry in. Uh, the spread between these 23 corn and these 24 corn hit minus 40 this morning. That was just minus 17 and a half when we had that little pop there on October 20th, that Friday that took us over five bucks. So the spreads really traded weaker. Uh, and then you have soybeans right now. January's back up near 1330. Uh, there is a downtrend from September 20th that this would be the fifth point of contact on that downtrend. Uh, that comes in at about 9.32 today, or I'm sorry, 13.32. Uh, so, it, you know, we technically we're at an area where we should be selling it. Uh, we'll see if we can muster strength through there. We did the export sales were relatively good for beans, a little over mm -hmm. a million tons in the expected range, but at the upper end of the range, uh, corn neutral and, and wheat was actually disappointing on the, on the export sales side. Well, and thinking about these markets, especially corn bean sales, and I know a lot of farmers are fairly undersold. Some I've heard chatter that they're looking at their basis levels and saying, well, my basis is okay. I don't want to store too much of this with the way interest rates are. So I'm going to sell some of this here. Uh, as you look at these charts and you kind of indicated this, I mean, does it feel like it's a good spot here to be looking at making some moves uh, depending on your operations balance sheet? I mean, risk management wise, what should we be thinking about here as we flip the calendar to November? Yeah, I mean, that's not an easy conversation on the corn market. Uh, really, when you look at where corn is relative to where it's been recently, no, it's not a 
great place to make sales, but we are where we are. Um, when I look at the corn chart, we had some major lows last year in July of 2022. Then we had some May lows before the summer run up. Um, and so when you draw the line from one set of lows to the next, actually all of our monthly lows after that uh, have been against that line. It's a, it's a descending line, uh, but our September lows, our, our October was an up month. Uh, so we didn't really test that trend line. But if we do go down sometime here in November and hit that line again, it's going to come in uh, around the 460 area, depending on timing. Uh, September corn left the board at 462 and a half. Okay. So I do think you could have another uh, little bit of a, a 15 cent break from here. Uh, but I don't think that's your major issue. Your major issue is, is talking about interest rates, the interest that you're paying on, uh, the nominal value of 5,000 bushel uh, of corn. Uh, you know, at 475, um, the interest on that money is a lot more than the interest on if you wanted to reown it on paper with a call spread, or if you wanted to just own a future contract, you are letting go of a potential basis appreciation if you take that approach. Uh, so that's where you kind of have to have a little bit of a sense of your local market. We do think basis will continue to improve into uh, late November, early December. That's typically a, a seasonal high for basis. Uh, you also have to be careful uh, if you're going to be delivering off of the March contract at some point, um, there's probably going to be quite a bit of sales early in the year um, as, as we continue to look at locking in some additional income and uh, paying for inputs for next year. So seasonally, that time frame uh, might be a, a tough time to make sales and maybe more in the basis market. Uh, but it's a sell the rally market in corn. Um, beans are a little bit different. Uh, we do have some upward mobility right now. You look at South America, it's flooding in the, in the Southern areas. Um, uh, it's going to continue to flood this weekend, uh, and then maybe turn a little dry early next week. Mm -hmm. Then in Northern Brazil, we will get a little bit of rain this weekend. It's in the forecast. We'll see if it verifies, but then dry again after that. Um, so things are not definitely perfect in, in South America for beans. Argentina got some rain. They've improved tremendously. Uh, but I think beans definitely have more upside potential than corn at this point. Brian, I want to ask you about the livestock markets here a little bit too. Cattle and hogs uh, showing a little more green. I know hogs on Wednesday started higher, then kind of fell apart. Maybe that was just some profit taking, but uh, the economy, interest rates, stock market having some effects here as well. Any thoughts in this uh, protein sector as a whole, cattle or hogs or both that you're keeping an eye on here this week? Yeah, you know, when I look at hogs, whether it's December or February hogs, uh, both kind of achieved the same thing. We had a break from September 20th to October 20th. It was a very sharp break. And uh, both of those markets retraced 50% of that break on those highs on Wednesday. Uh, it was an outside day down, meaning we made a new high for the move. Then we closed below the previous day's lows. That was not a good, uh, a good look. That's a reversal. So really technically we went and hit some resistance. Uh, we'll see if we get some follow through to the downside. If we do, I would expect that we'll just go and revisit those lows. You know, there's talk about some more uh, Chinese hogs coming to market due to disease pressure there. Uh, so that might be something else that uh, creates a little bit of bearish headwinds on the hog market. Uh, meanwhile, on cattle, you know, we look at those lows we made last week after that limit down event. Uh, we've had several contracts uh, come up into that gap. Um, the uh, April contract, when I look at that as kind of the, the longer term contract I'm interested in, uh, that low last week was right at a 50% retracement of the whole rally from last year's lows to the contract highs. Uh, hit the 200 day and, and we're starting to build a base off of that. So I think uh, we could have both a short-term low maiden cattle uh, with some higher upside potential, but also still thinking that the top may have actually been placed. Uh, I'm not confident we're going to go make new contract highs, but I definitely think we can 
uh, recover more of the losses that we've seen from that kettle on feed report. Well, Brian, we're about out of time here. I know if folks want to uh, reach out to you and the team there at agmarket.net with questions. They want to take a look at your intel and more. Uh, you guys have a lot of great stuff available, and I know they could find you very easily on their on your website, can't they? Yeah, www.agmarket.net. Uh, there's a banner at the top of the page for our conference in February in, in Nashville. Uh, Jesse, I think you'll, you'll be there uh, joining us yep. again, which is always a good time. So check that out. Uh, if you want to talk to me directly, it's 815-665-0463. With that, Brian Split, agmarket.net. Thanks for joining us on AOA this week, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Sounds good, bud. Coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. We'll talk with Angie Rekins from ISU Extension. That's next on AOA. Are you curious about biologicals for stronger crop health? You're not alone. At Terramax, they've seen more farmers just like you choosing to apply biologicals with increasing success. For more than 25 years, they've been harnessing the power of microbial inoculants to strengthen roots, improve soil health, and boost yields acre after acre. If you're ready to get a biological boost, turn to the experts at Terramax. Visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more about what microbial technology can do for your farm. Take control of your legacy with Uncommon Farms. Their ag business professionals can help your farm take on challenges in the five key areas of financials, human resources, strategic planning, management, and succession planning. From their nine subject matter specific peer groups, full service accounting offerings, crop insurance experts, and more, Uncommon Farms is the resource your farm needs to succeed into the future. Visit UncommonFarms.com today to learn more about their service and software offerings that will propel your farm into the future. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. In Iraq, our truck hit a roadside bomb. I had about 16 surgeries on my hand so that I could regain function. And when I came home, I needed a new roof due to a storm. And my electrical was deemed unsafe. And I was about to lose homeowner's insurance as well. I didn't really know where to go in order to get help. And so I applied for Operation Homefront Critical Financial Assistance Program. They've really been a blessing. Operation Homefront is a safety net. A lot of veterans, they fall through the cracks sometimes. And Operation Homefront, they catch us. It's been a blessing to us. It's a blessing to other veteran families. And it's good to know that when we come home, there are people who are there that care about us and want to see us do well and want to see us succeed and we feel it and we appreciate that. I would say you guys are angels behind closed doors. Visit operationhomefront.org to learn more. 
information America's farmers and ranchers need, AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA Agriculture of America, brought to you by our friends at Cenex. Cenex Premium Diesels like Cenex Roadmaster XL, Cenex Ruby Fieldmaster, and more. You can find their everyday products powered locally at your nearest Cenex location. If you don't know where that is, you can find it easily online. Just go to Cenex.com. Joining us now here on the program, we want to talk about nitrogen application here this fall as we're wrapping up harvest and just some general fall fieldwork tips before uh, we get too much snow on the ground and cross much of the upper Midwest and more. Joining us for a conversation, good friend of mine, Angie Rekins, agronomist with Iowa State University, joining us here in ISU Extension. Angie, it's great to talk with you. I hope you're doing well. I am doing well, Jesse, and it's always fun to catch up with you. Well, let's uh, dive in and, and talk about things. And uh, it really sounds like much of at least the state of Iowa is getting closer to the finish line. And I know a lot of areas in the core belt kind of getting close to putting a bow on another harvest season. Is that kind of what you're gathering as you talk with folks around the state? It is exactly that. When when we with if if I drive from where I live all the way to the Minnesota border and your old stomping grounds, um, our soybeans, our report yesterday came out and said our soybeans are 99% harvested in north central Iowa and our corn's right around that 85% or so. We'd probably be done with corn if we wouldn't have had a couple of days of rain last week and it really isn't going to take very long to finish up what's left out there. So we are rapidly approaching that finish line. Well, that's good to hear. Good to hear. And it, it seems, seems like for the most part that yields better than expected or at least about as expected for many folks. It really just mattered on whether you got rain at the right time or not, Angie. You're absolutely right, Jesse. And and we know in Iowa, you can get rain in one field and a half a mile down the road. You don't get any rain. And we saw a lot of that this year. So not only was whether or not we got rain important, the timing on the rain was really crucial this year. So we have some, we have yields that are kind of all over the place. Um, but when you get into like that central part of Iowa, uh, people are, they'll tell you they've seen some yields they've never seen before. So good yields. Uh, when you get a little farther north, a little farther east, where we have more severe drought conditions, we aren't seeing those good yields. So we we are just like we would expect any given year, kind of all over the place. All right. Well, let's talk about some of that remaining field work that does have to get done. Once you've run the combine through the field and you got that crop harvested, there's still a few things that we got to wrap up. And I know you've been sharing tips on your uh, Twitter account, your X account, I should say, a few things. And I just want to talk about this a little bit. Uh, fall nitrogen application, we're already seeing some of that happen. Uh, is, is it a good time right now? Should we be waiting a little bit yet? Or what? what's your thoughts as far as some of that uh, fall nitrogen and fertilizer application right now? Well, historically, we hit that 50-degree soil temperature mark and continue to trend downward about the first week or first third of November in northern Iowa. Um, and then maybe southern Iowa, it's more like the third, second or third week of November when we hit those cooler soil temps. Um, I think it's really important people remember that this whole nitrogen thing is a microbial process, right? So 
we want those soil temperatures cool enough that we've slowed down that microbial process that converts that NH4 or ammonium N to nitrate N. Nitrate N is negatively charged and does not stay in the soil, right? If we get rain, we tend to leach it. And so we really want to keep it in that NH4 form so it's there for us in the spring to grow our corn. Um, and when we apply under warmer conditions, like people who were doing that earlier this fall, um, we we just increase the chance um, and the potential that we're going to lose that end because it's already been converted to nitrate. So we just want to make sure we're using good uh, common sense with our nitrogen dollars. So not only from a dollars input wise, but also from a water quality perspective, right? We want to make sure we can keep that end in the field where we're going to use it for corn production and not in our tile water and our streams. It doesn't do us any good there. Well, and with that as well, Angie, I would just have to think in general, you know, it's been a fairly long harvest season. It's typically always running fast and, and trying to get everything done as quickly as possible. And, and sometimes you want to make sure that you're at the right soil temp. You're, everything is the right conditions. So you apply correctly. You don't want to just run through it to get it all done and say, okay, I'm finally done, wrapped up. Now it's time for the holiday season. You want to make sure you do it right, correct? You're correct. We we do want to make sure we do it right and under the best conditions possible. I completely understand. Last week, um, when soil temperatures were still warm and people were a little concerned about how much rain we got, they thought, maybe I should get this done before the rain comes. Um, but that forecast, even prior to the... Uh, prior to the rain event of last week wasn't for an extended rainfall. It wasn't for a large amount of rainfall. And I know that gets hard to predict. Um, but from the next 10 days or so, we we will look at much better conditions for applying that. And our soil temperatures are going to be cooler. Uh, we don't have a chance for much moisture to keep people out of the field. Uh, um, sometimes patience is key. Uh, but I totally, I mean, I totally understand why people do what they do when they do it. It's just that we know based on our science, right? And our recommendations is that we can conserve a lot of N if we follow our best, best management practices. And that's at least for anhydrous and for liquid manures that have a high ammonia content and like liquid swine manure, we want that going on when those soil temperatures reach 50 degrees and are trending downwards. Um, if we can use an end stabilizer, your choice, uh, I won't recommend any one particular product, but your choice, they also buy us more time, but they work best under cooler conditions. Um, and then we may, maybe want to like split apply our end, right? So we have some on this fall in case we get a wet spring and we can't get more nitrogen on right away next spring. So maybe some this fall and next spring, right? All things to consider when we want to maximize that end use for corn production. We are talking with Angie Reed Kins, agronomist with Iowa State University. And Angie, uh, other fall field work tips here, things we want to think about as we're wrapping up and uh, getting ready to put stuff away for winter. I, I mean, I would have to think soil sampling or any sort of uh, fall tillage issues, things we got to look at. Do we got to worry about compaction issues? Uh, what are some other things that are top of mind for you? I don't really foresee us having big compaction issues this year because at least for the majority of this part of the Midwest, we were dry. Um, we haven't had wet 
field conditions when we've been out this fall that might uh, lend to more compaction. Um, so I don't expect compaction is going to be a big issue. Um, if we get caught with some rains, maybe a little bit later on as try, people are trying to wrap up harvest, that might become an issue, but it doesn't, the forecast really doesn't look that way. And the rain we have gotten has infiltrated nicely. So I don't think compaction is going to be a big issue. And with that being said, maybe we don't need that fall tillage, right? I mean, there are definitely pros and cons for doing fall tillage. Um, but I also think as I was going through some pictures today, Jesse, I found all my really nasty pictures of black covered snowdrifts last year from <laughs> December. We had a wide open winter going into December. We had no snow cover and we had a couple of days last December with those 40 and 50 mile an hour winds, similar to what we were having earlier today here. And we're, we move a lot of soil off the field. And when we move a lot of soil off the field, um, we're, we're moving our organic matter and our potassium and our phosphorus with it and, and some organic nitrogen, right? So um, we're losing things. We're losing money and we're losing nutrients at that point in time. So keeping some residue out there uh, is definitely to our benefit. Well, Angie, before we run out of time and uh, let you go here today, any other thoughts you would share? Anything that folks just need to remember uh, for their fall field work here as we're getting close to wrapping things up? Yeah, I would encourage people if they've not taken soil samples in the last two years to do that. Even though we've been in drought conditions for two years, well, three years in most of Iowa now, we've seen some pretty decent yields that have continued to remove that P and K. So if your soil samples aren't up to date, and by that I mean within the last two to four years, I think taking some soil samples this fall and adding P and K and um, definitely adding P and K and looking at where your pH is will definitely benefit crop production for next year. Uh, this year with some higher yields in places, we obviously remove more nutrients and we're going to have to replace those nutrients to maximize our crop production for next year. A lot of great thoughts. Really appreciate the time. Angie Reekins, field agronomist with Iowa State University and ISU Extension. Angie, great to talk with you again. Thanks so much for the time and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jesse. Have a great day. Thank you much. Angie Rekins there with Iowa State University Extension. Follow her Twitter X account, NCIA Crops. She shares a lot of great information there. All right, coming up next on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. We'll talk with South Dakota Senator John Thune on the way right after this. Turning to biologicals for improved plant nutrition and nitrogen fixing may feel novel to a lot of farmers, but it's a proven method for decades. Nobody knows this better than Terramax, a leading innovator of biological inoculants for more than 25 years. Their strong roots in microbial technology means they know what it takes to deliver stronger roots for crops acre after acre. When you decide to boost your yield with biologicals, turn to Terramax. Then visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. 
You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains are mixed this morning. Beans are sharply higher. Wheats are mixed with Chicago lower, Kansas City, Minneapolis higher, and corn is hovering right around unchanged. Livestock is also higher this morning with feeders leading the charge up. Good rains are beginning to be forecast for dry areas of center west Brazil this weekend, although confidence beyond that is waning a bit this morning. This weekend's rains, if they do come, could be what is needed to get the crop off to a good start, although follow-up rains will also be needed. Now, they don't need to be normal rains. They can be at 60 to 70 percent of normal and still raise a good crop, but rains are still needed. StoneX Brazil's customer survey raised its soybean production estimate to 165 million metric tons yesterday. That's up from 164 the previous month. That's reflecting confidence in the crop to this point. Their team also noted that the weather will need to cooperate to achieve that estimate, but it does continue to have greater concern for the safrina corn crop that will be planted several months from now. And all is well on Wall Street after the Federal Reserve provided enough subtle hints to traders that we may have seen the last of the rate hikes for this cycle. Now, the Fed certainly didn't say that while leaving the door open for another hike, but that's basically what the market heard yesterday. In fact, Fed Chair Jerome Powell tried his best to sound hawkish, but the markets just weren't buying it. The Fed continued to hold its benchmark interest rate at 5.25% to 5.5% at this week's meeting while continuing its pace of unwinding its balance sheet. Powell's comments were basically perceived to be dovish, sending Treasury yields tumbling with the dollar following them lower. Powell also insisted that policymakers are not yet even considering rate cuts, but the market is doing so with this morning's data adding fuel to the speculation. The VIX has fallen to a fresh three-week low to trade near 16 this morning after collapsing this week on easing concerns. And crude oil prices are over 1% higher after selling interest dried up near yesterday's lows. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. I'm Shanola Hampton. Every day, millions of people face hunger. Today, I will share with you some of their experiences. I'm stuck between paying for medications or paying for food. John from Maine. After paying my bills, I can buy groceries. It's sad to say, food comes last. Alice from Oregon. I thought pantries were for less fortunate people, but anybody could be less fortunate in a day or even a second. Claire from Virginia. The Feeding America network of food banks helps provide over six billion meals to people in need each year. No one should have to worry where their next meal will come from. Together, we can end hunger. Learn more at feedingamerica.org. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, powered by Cenex Premium Diesel, like Cenex Ruby Fieldmaster, Cenex Roadmaster XL. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. Joining us now here on AOA, always great to have a conversation with South Dakota Senator John Thune. Senator, it's good to talk with you again. I know things are busy in Washington, D.C., but appreciate a few minutes of your time. Hope you're doing well. Thanks, Jesse. Always good to be with you. And uh, yes, we are, uh, uh, you know, a lot going on, but um, it's uh, always uh, good to talk agriculture. And that's front and center in our agenda and South Dakota's agenda. 
Well, let's start with the farm bill. A lot of chatter. I, I'm hearing it both ways, I think, right now. that Well, now that we have a Speaker of the House, we can see the House move on some things more and hopefully, uh, hopefully get something done here with the new five-year farm bill. I'm hearing talk of a one-year extension. I'm hearing talk it could possibly be just a few weeks and then we can get something done. So get us up to speed. What is the latest you're hearing in terms of this farm bill? Can we get something done before we get embroiled in a presidential election year? It would be nice. And I, you know, I think there's um, obviously now having the house functional again and a speaker and leadership over there, uh, maybe they can start to, focus more intensely on some of these issues that have been hanging around for a while. Um, I certainly hope that's the case and would like to see us do a full five-year bill instead of an extension. There is increasing discussion around the potential of a, a one-year extension through the end of the fiscal year 2024. Both sides are actually talking about that, but we'll see if the House um, is able to get moving and if they can produce something over there. Uh, on our side, at least right now, there are still disputes over uh, where the how to allocate funds within the various titles of the bill, and uh, those haven't been fully resolved yet. But you hear both now um, the uh, Democrat chairman in the Senate uh, and the uh, the ranking Republican in the Senate both talking about the potential of a full one-year extension. And like I said, never ideal. Um, the times I've been here, we've done that before. It's not like this is unprecedented that we would do a, an extension of the existing farm bill, but it's always better to modernize the bill that reflects the conditions that are going on out there right now. And, you know, we got a 23% income drop compared to last year, this year, uh, when it comes to U.S. net farm income. So, you know, things are Things out there in terms of commodity prices aren't good. We had some pretty good yields in certain parts of the country, including South Dakota and certain parts of our state. But when you got you know weakening commodity weakening commodity prices, you got higher input costs, higher interest rates. Um, you know farmers need to know what the rules are, and they need a new farm bill in place. So we're going to keep pushing for that, but uh, we'll see where it lands and where we might be able to. Um, you know, attach a uh, uh, either a farm bill, a new farm bill, or a farm bill extension. Well, and you mentioned it there. I think those reference prices and things like that, the commodity title and more, it's all about balancing that with the nutrition side of the farm bill. And at the end of the day, Senator Thune, I think it all comes down to getting it done right. And with so many things going on around the world, we have that presidential election in front of us. There's a, a, other business, too, that has to get done in Washington, D.C., with the potential of a government shutdown coming up here as well. So trying to get it done right, to your point, if we end up with a one-year extension, may not be a bad thing, although it might not be what some folks at ag want to see, right? That's right. I mean, it's it's always preferable and ideal. Uh, and like I said, this is my fifth farm bill. So we've been through a number of these cycles in the past and we've done long-term extensions before um, because as you point out, we are going into a political year that makes everything a little bit more complicated. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's clear that the um, farm bill, as we consider the next bill, needs to meaningfully enhance the, the farm safety net, the risk management tools that help producers face the challenges that you just mentioned and that we're well aware of out there. Um, but it is important that we, we try and get it right. And, you know, the next farm bill is expected to cost somewhere in the $1.5 trillion range, thanks in part to um, President Biden's and the and USDA's uh, what they call their uh, thrifty food plan under the SNAP program 
which is an update, and that's expected to cost more than $250 billion over the next 10 years. So you've got a huge now increase in spending in the nutrition title of the bill, um, which makes uh, the other titles and in, in trying to keep this thing within certain budget parameters that much more challenging. Uh, our goal always is to put more farm in the farm bill, you know, to make sure we're strengthening the farm safety net through strong crop insurance, you know, commodity programs like uh, ARC and PLC and some of the livestock disaster programs like the LFP program and LIP. Those are the things that, uh, you know, we try and focus on in a farm bill. But there are some folks on the other side of the aisle, including a number of Democrats, uh, on the committee who don't share the same urgency uh, on the commodity title and are more interested in nutrition and some of the other areas of the bill. So it's uh, it's always a balancing act. Um, and uh, But if we want to get a good farm bill, we want to make sure we get it right. We want to, it's not, you know, the best thing to do it fast. The best thing is to do it right. And if we have to do a, an extension, uh, I think that's something that uh, most folks could live with out there. But, you know, in, in the ideal world and in my world, you want to keep the pressure on, keep pushing forward to try and get a new bill in place that reflects the priorities that are important to production agriculture in South Dakota. Senator, I want to ask you as well about uh, the reintroduction of the Adopt Greenhouse Gases Regulated Emissions and Energy Use and Transportation Act, or the GREET Act. You reintroduced that legislation here uh, just a few weeks back with uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. Talk about what that bill would do and, and what's behind the reintroduction of the Adopt GREET Act. Right. So what what it is, Jesse, and this is we we believe that the EPA's greenhouse gas modeling uses an antiquated model. And so what this would do is adopt a new, uh, require the EPA to adopt a, a new greenhouse gas modeling for biofuels that is updated to fully reflect the newest science and technology. And so um, it would require EPA to apply the um, Argonne National Labs GREET model to any fuel for which uh, EPA has approved a pathway and uh, and that is deemed qualified for the renewable fuel standard. And then it would require them, of course, to update that model every five years and, and, and report to Congress about it. But uh, we just think that, you know, we don't get the full benefit of the, the value in terms of greenhouse gas reductions that biofuels bring in, in terms of part of the fuel mix in this country. And that the modeling, because it is antiquated, because it's, it hasn't been updated in a long time, is missing many of the features about biofuels that make it such a, um, a you know, a, a environment-friendly um, type fuel. And we want to harness some of those benefits, uh, and we don't get the full benefit of it if the model doesn't reflect the, the actual uh, value, the actual benefit that biofuels bring to the equation. So this is designed to create a new uh, way of uh, measuring, if you will, um, you know, modeling uh, greenhouse gas emissions for biofuels and updated, updating that model to reflect uh, the newest science and technology. So it's uh, something we've been working on for a while. Um, and we think it needs to, this is something that needs to get done. Uh, and, uh, and obviously would have tremendous benefits to the biofuels industry, but that's not the principal purpose for doing it. The principal purpose for doing it is to get an accurate measure of the contributions that biofuels make, uh, to, um, you know, the, the, uh, reduction in greenhouse gas emissions that people, everybody wants to see happen in this country. And, um, you don't get the, the benefit 
from the contributions that biofuels make if you don't have an accurate way of measuring it. Well, and real quick before we run out of time as well to go with that, we know there's plenty of competition out there from electric vehicles and a lot of the mandates of the Biden administration surrounding EVs. So getting an update here with the GREET Act to help with renewable fuels could help maybe level the playing field a little bit more here because it feels like we've kind of got an unlevel playing field in terms of EVs versus gas-powered, ethanol-powered engines in our cars and trucks moving forward right now, Senator Thune. Correct, and and you're absolutely right, and that's the issue here is that their obsession with EVs has uh, forced them to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to the contributions that other you know, pieces of this puzzle can can, can contribute. And uh, we're not going to be, contrary to their, their best hopes and aspirations in the White House, the administration, there is not going to be a full-on adoption of EVs anytime in the near future. This is going to be a transition. It's going to take a long time. And in the meantime, we're going to be using liquid fuels in this country. And if we're using liquid fuels, we ought to be in, increasing the amount of liquid fuels that biofuels represents because it does have a significant impact. And if the administration is sincere about, you know, really wanting to to deal with the issue of uh, greenhouse gas emissions, um, there are other ways to get at that problem uh, that, you know, that, that just doesn't fit into the EV box. And I think they, they are so obsessed and, and uh, um, fixated on this idea that everything's got to be electric vehicles that they're failing to, you know, look look and, and realize that there are other um, solutions out there that can make big contributions to their ultimate goal. And biofuels does that in a significant way. Uh, unfortunately, it's not getting the, um, like I said, because of the way they measure that and the outdated uh, methodology that they use, we're not getting the full benefit of that. So we're just asking the administration, if you're really serious about this and, and realizing that this is going to be a transition, we're going to be using liquid fuels into the foreseeable future, then let's uh, let's figure out a way to to take advantage of the contribution that biofuels can make to their ultimate goal, and that is reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions, carbon emissions out there. Uh, we've got a solution for that, and, and uh, the administration ought to start paying attention to it. We, we're trying to get their attention. We've been doing that for a long time. They just seem to have, a, you know, they are completely fixated on this idea of EVs, and the truth of the matter is that's not realistic, uh, and everybody knows it. Well, we know you got a busy schedule. We do thank you for a few minutes of your time. With that, South Dakota Senator John Thune, thanks for joining us on AOA today, Senator. We'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. Sounds good. Thanks, Jesse. See you soon. Once again, South Dakota Senator John Thune joining us here on AOA today, brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. We'll take a look at news headlines coming up here before we wrap up the show. Back with more on AOA right after this. A promise is potent, born of intention, fueled by commitment. It's seeing things through, always showing up. And we know a thing or two about promises here at Susan G. Komen. Over 40 years ago, we locked arms with you toward one vision a world without breast cancer. By investing in life-saving research and standing up for patient rights, we are shifting the system so all people everywhere get the care they deserve. Because if you've just been diagnosed and don't know where to turn, we've got you. If you can't afford the treatment you need, we've got you. 
And if you are driven to raise money to honor the best friend you've just lost, we have a place for you here because of you. We're supporting those who need help today while tirelessly searching for tomorrow's cures. Ending breast cancer needs all of us. Visit Komen.org and be a part of the Susan G. Komen community today. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. It's what we were taught, trained, and told to do. It could be for anything. Helping a friend move. Listening to a fellow veteran for hours at any hour of the day. Or just simply making time for people. A neighbor, a loved one, or even a stranger. We're often the first to help others. There's no question about it. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When was the last time you reached out for help? Perhaps it's time to do for yourself what you would do for others. If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Are you curious about biologicals for stronger crop health? You're not alone. At Terramax, they've seen more farmers just like you choosing to apply biologicals with increasing success. For more than 25 years, they've been harnessing the power of microbial inoculants to strengthen roots, improve soil health, and boost yields acre after acre. If you're ready to get a biological boost, turn to the experts at Terramax. Visit TerramaxAg.com to learn more about what microbial technology can do for your farm. Every Tuesday, we'll be sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS. Join us and learn how CHS creates the vital connections that empower agriculture, helping farmers and ranchers like you succeed. We'll hear from different voices from throughout the cooperative system, sharing stories about how good things happen when people work together. Join us around the table every Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white-shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. 
If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Information America's farmers and ranchers need. AOA. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America. Today's show brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Jesse Allen back with you here as uh, we are rolling along. Good to have a conversation with Senator John Thune and Hopefully we can get a farm bill done uh, here before it is too late. I'm still not super optimistic, and I have the feeling that there's going to be a one-year extension, which is something I know a lot of folks in agriculture don't want to see. We need some things updated. We're using data that is uh, quite a few years old now at this point in terms of the previous negotiation of uh, the last five-year farm bill that expired technically uh, back in September, but uh, I'm hopeful, but still not quite optimistic. I guess we'll just have to see what happens here uh, moving forward if we can get this farm bill done before we get embroiled in this uh, presidential election year that, honestly, we already kind of are stuck in here uh, with all the uh, Republican debates going on and more and some of the stuff on the Democratic side. There's just uh, there's a lot of politics going on. Hopefully we can get rid of some of those politics and continue to have a uh, good discussion about getting a farm bill done. I know appropriations, uh, we did get some appropriations moves here on Wednesday, so that is a, a good sign. Just hoping we can get this uh, farm bill across the finish line for uh, farmers and ranchers here and get some new certainty in a new five-year farm bill. We'll just have to keep an eye on things and see what happens, and we'll keep you informed here on AOA. I know a lot of folks uh, watching as well uh, with interest rates and that cost of money and the cost of doing business. There is uh, a lot of concern out there across the country, across rural America, just uh, with tightening pocketbooks and more. The Federal Reserve held interest rates steady on Wednesdays. They wrapped up their two-day meeting uh, still at 22-year highs, so it's not like we're doing great, um, but also the Fed did have some language in their comments and in their press conference afterwards that did signal we could see a pivot and have no more interest rate hikes. So uh, definitely want to watch that very closely moving forward to see if that has a, a broader impact on our economic situation. Overall, just uh, a lot of concern. I know it impacts a lot of folks' pocketbooks here across rural America and across the country as a whole. It It impacts my pocketbook. I mean, it's it's tough. You got to stretch that dollar even more at the grocery store, or if you got to buy something for your kids, or you're looking to uh, make an equipment purchase or something else. You got to stretch that dollar even farther. I know a lot of folks are upset about the uh, cost of living going up and up. So hopefully uh, we can get something done there. Looking at uh, the new. Midwest Economic Report for October, it's a bit of a mixed bag. The monthly nine-state Mid-America Business Conditions Index is down from last month, but still showing growth. It's also showing some pessimism among business leaders, according to Creighton University economist Ernie Goss. 
60% of the manufacturing supply managers expect a downturn in economic activity over the next six months. Only one in 10 sees growth ahead. So that's not, not exactly what we're looking for. Now, Goss is holding on to the prospect for a downturn in the national economy early in the new year. I'm expecting a slowdown and a fairly significant slowdown. I'll call it a rolling recession, meaning certain parts of the economy are not doing well right now, particularly banking. And once again, that is Creighton University economist Ernie Goss, who heads up that monthly survey. And again, on the whole topic of the economy and interest rates, as I was saying before, it's tough out there. A lot of folks are concerned or watching this closely, uh, trying to make sense of what the Fed is or isn't doing. And I'm not going to sit here and try to be a windbag about this. Uh, I don't have the answers. Not my forte. I just know uh, I, I'm pretty sure I reflect the same opinion of a lot of folks who just want to see something done before it's too late to try and uh, keep our economy in check and make sure that folks aren't hurting here across the country because uh, I'm like many folks who are, and I know that's something that uh, is really, really upsetting some people here. So hopefully the uh, government figure this thing out and get us back on the right track in terms of interest rates and the economy. Well, after a lengthy drought, some parts of the upper Midwest have turned wet, but only in spots. Dennis Toddy, director of the Midwest Climate Hub in Ames, Iowa, says fall is typically a time when farm country sees more rain. By the time you get around to the fall, crops have stopped growing, plants have stopped using water out of the soil. We don't get as much rainfall, as much total precipitation in the fall as we do during the summer. But on the offside, we don't have plants drawing it out of the soil. So this is a time for soil moisture recharge. And we typically get a couple of those bigger systems that drop widespread precipitation. And we hadn't had those yet. A cold snap this week in the upper Midwest was more of a surprise. The cold outbreak was a little bit of a surprise in that we expected some cold to come, but not for it to be a big shot to a big transition like this. So it's, it's a little rougher, a little windier as we speak now, windy and cold. But fortunately, it's going to be fairly short-lived and start to moderate here within a few days. In terms of fall rainfall, it's been a case of the haves versus the have-nots in the Midwest and Corn Belt. Parts of Wisconsin received some pretty good rainfalls over the last few weeks. Minnesota, Iowa, parts of the Dakotas also. East central Iowa received some and parts of Illinois. But when you get down into central to southern Iowa, they've received not as much. Parts of Illinois have missed out. Still parts of Wisconsin could use some rainfall too. So kind of spotty. And he talks about the upcoming forecast as farmers work to finish the 2023 harvest. By the end of this week, temperatures get back to, well, at least here in Iowa, lows in the 30s and highs in the 50s, which are closer to average for this time of year. You know, as you look in the 6 to 10 day and 8 to 14 day outlook that were released yesterday from the Climate Prediction Center, by the time that week two rolls around, about the western half of the country, it looks like it has a better chance of being above average in the way of temperatures. The Great Lakes area and, and Ohio Valley are near normal which still is moderation from where we are right now. And then from a precipitation standpoint, it does look like there are some decent chances for precipitation coming in next week again over parts of the Midwest. We're still kind of waiting to see how that pans out.
Once again, Dennis Toddy there with the Midwest Climate Hub in Ames, Iowa. Hopefully we can get uh, a decent stretch of weather here, get fall harvest wrapped up, get that fall fertilizer and field work done here over the next couple of weeks ahead and wrap things up before the holiday season. Coming up on the next AOA, we'll talk the South American planting season and get an update with Pedro Deneca from MD Commodities. We'll also talk about equipment maintenance before you put it away in the shed for the winter with Jim Francisketti with Case IH. Today's AOA brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. Thanks for joining me here today on Agriculture of America. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Take control of your legacy with Uncommon Farms. Their ag business professionals can help your farm take on challenges in the five key areas of financials, human resources, strategic planning, management, and succession planning. From their nine subject matter specific peer groups, full service accounting offerings, crop insurance experts, and more, Uncommon Farms is the resource your farm needs to succeed into the future. Visit UncommonFarms.com today to learn more about their service and software offerings that will propel your farm into the future. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Everyone has a community to lean on, a neighborhood, school, kids' teams, where you worship, work, work out, or any other place or group where you choose to belong. Communities can provide support when you need it, and even when you don't know you do. Like when it comes to preventing underage drinking and other substance use. You've talked with your kids and shared clear expectations, but you're not with them every minute. Your community members, friends and relatives, teachers and coaches, faith leaders, and other important adults in your kids' lives can be your eyes, ears, and a supportive influence when you're not around, reinforcing your messages with your kids and alerting you to warning signs of underage drinking or other substance use. So talk with your kids about these issues and involve the members of your community to help keep your kids safe. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit talktheyhearyou.samhsa.gov.